This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome to the last football roundup of the year. We know we've been away for the last few weeks because of a lot of uni deadlines, but we wanted to end the year on a high, so we've got one more pair of podcasts before 2021 is done. My name is Jack Donnelly, and with uni classes all finished for the year, I had my pick of the whole energy sport team, but settled on these three fine gentlemen, purely because they were the first to come forward. Uh, first up, we've got a man who is so unbelievably wealthy and well-off that he can afford to run an Edinburgh flat without even being in the city. Struan Garvey, how are you doing, mate? I'm not bad at all there. I thought you were going to say something about a Christmas jumper when that was coming up, but uh, I'm not bad at all, thank you. Yeah, the flat situation has been a bit of a bit of a nightmare for you, hasn't it? bit of a nightmare, but I'll be in by 2022, so that'll be good. Garvey 2022, that's the campaign that we're going to be running for the entire Christmas holiday, just to make sure that we actually get Struan back in the city so we can abuse him more regularly in person. Uh, next up, we've got a man whose tensions have been running so high with Sean McGill. They've reached such a height that if they don't genuinely have a fight the next time we're all together, they're going to end up going home together. Jamie McIntosh, how are you doing? Yes, good afternoon. Does that mean you're going to be able to sit ringside and say, oh, I, I'm not sure which one I'm going to cheer for because they're both bricks? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it's going to be, you know. That's it. It's on the side of the rest of us just all sitting, just chatting for whoever the biggest idiot is on the night. Who's uh, who's the money on then? Who's who are you putting your ten pounds on? Tenner on. Come on, Bobby son. I'd I'd put I'd put tenner on Macintosh to be fair, because I mean the shadow boxing alone, like that all that helps. And the thing is with Miguel, Sean's like, arm's also in a sling at the moment. Sean doesn't have one arm. Yeah, and, that's a good point actually. And the thing is, when you lose as much weight as Sean's lost, you lose a lot of power as well. So. Not going to be able to hit as hard as he potentially could have done if he was a still still a big boy, but we love him no matter what size he is, obviously. And uh, finally, we are joined by my own personal hero, my own personal savior, as this man single handedly got me home safe and sound after the disaster that was the Radio Energy Christmas night out. Taylor Murray, welcome back to the show. Ah, it's all right, Jack. Um, I'll take my payment and many beers later on, so um, it was my pleasure. My pleasure, but I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. It's, it, to be fair, we should address the fact we're actually doing this through over Zoom, so we can actually all see each other for the first time in ever on this podcast, which which is yeah, lovely. It, it's all it took us about like a year and a half to figure out. You know, <laughs> we could probably do this. <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's the fact that no one wanted to pay for Zoom Pro, but the fact that I had to scramble mid-interview with Grant Scott on my major project to be able to get the interview over and done with on the one recording means that I'm twelve quid down. And Struan has just written the word hi on a bit of paper and held up the camera. It's not as if he could just unmute his mic and speak. But that, yeah, this, this could lead to a lot of nonsense, I'm sure. And that's all these podcasts are about, really. Just a group of mates having a laugh and chatting. Some absolute nonsense about football. So, lads, it's the last football roundup of the year. And, I mean, what a year it's been for energy sport. And, uh, and completion, I suppose, uh, completely record-breaking. We've smashed every record we could have had uh, previously held by the site. And there's been a lot of laughs along the way. So, big question. The last big question of 2021 is as follows. 
what has been your favourite energy sport moment of 2021? Oh, come on, that's unfair. There's been plenty, plenty, but there's also been some shockers. That is unfair. Do we want want to disclose the ones that are open to the public, or do we want to... (laughs) Because, I mean, the Zoom uh, calls could potentially <laughs> throw up their own conversations, Taylor. I don't know that you'd uh, be let, let, as I a think, fact. I think we should be the ones that's happened on podcast because um, <laughs> that way, at least, um, I come out of this still with a reputation that's slightly impact because of my stupidity. <laughs> but um, I'm just going to go straight out there and say it. Um, just get it out of the way because I'm going to take the easy pick. Amy said that Celtic could field any team. And beat was that Rangers. this year? I'm positive that, that was this been, year. Was that the first old firm last may, season? That might be 2020, may mate. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god, my mind's okay. okay that's, that's, that's over a year old, mate. Oof. We've repeated it so many times in podcasts. <laughs> it feels like it's more recent. Than <laughs> it's it a constant, like, in the pattern bag. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'm using that one still. You know, it's a year, year old. That's such a cop out. I'll come up with a better one. I'll come up with a better one. Just if I can think. Right, you have time, Struan. Hit me with yours then. Let Taylor fester for a little bit in his own thoughts. I was thinking of one that happened quite recently, but given a lot of the the actual laughter happened in the group chat, I think one of my favourite moments, not on one that I was actually part of, was you, Jack, laughing at Killer getting relegated just because of <laughs> how many times that video has been reused of just the subtle laughter beginning. It sounds fake, and then you just get into it. What, what was it like ninety seconds or something of just pure laughter? <laughs> it's just fantastic. One of my favourite intros to a podcast we've ever done. And it's like Graham gets introduced us after me and he goes, I'm here to laugh at Sean and chew bubblegum and I'm all at a bubblegum baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, the other that one that brilliant. I was referring to was when we were talking about Portuguese players and then Jack just said Rafael Guerrero out of nowhere. And I think you remember the context. Ah, uh, yes, the context. A certain left back in Portugal. Yes, that was that was all about Rafael Guerrero, nothing else. Uh, Jamie, what about you, mate? I mean, I suppose you, you've seen some fantastic sights at the, in the press box at Tynecastle and beyond with your time as a Hearts reporter, but is there anything else that's jumping out to you as the, the best, the funniest, the most heartfelt moment, maybe? Hey, well, I had a pretty good rant about Hearts back in March, and it was about an eight-minute-long rant after the Aurora Rangers defeat, so that was quite a, a good one on a personal level. Um, it's quite funny, actually. I listened to that back, and I think, oh, you twat, that was terrible. Uh, I think I would change... <laughs> Change a few things about what I said then. I think I was calling for Ann Budge's head back then. I'm not sure if I can do that with the position that I'm currently finding myself in with uh, a seat in the press box, but there you go. Uh, Graham gave a very funny big shout about scrapping penalties, I think I seem to recall. Uh, I, I found that, that one quite funny. Was that the Broxley Bear one? It's, it rings a bell. I remember I was out walking the dog and I was absolutely pissing myself when I was listening <laughs> to it the first time. And uh, Taylor's big shout about St. Johnson benefiting from uh, getting into <laughs> Europe. <laughs> has to be up there as well. I think that was probably uh, Captain Obvious uh, territory there from Mr. Money. <laughs> I forgot all about that. That's absolutely yeah. brilliant. <laughs> Aberdeen St. Johnson could do well with some more money. <laughs> you know, that's that's always been the one that's came back and bite me one of the worst because the fact is it just didn't come across what I wanted to say mm. and I couldn't rectify it because I was digging myself a hole continuously. So, yeah, that's... That was a shocker for me, I have to say. Um, well, have you have you got have you come up with one from this year, from twenty twenty one? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I've been looking at some of the titles, you know, and it's given me a lot of memories. I've been scrolling through uh, some of the quizzes. By the way, produced some outstanding moments. Um, mostly because the one I hosted, where I got most of my questions wrong, <laughs> that I was hosting. Um, 
Just some which one? Because you did, you ended up having to do like three. Oh, um, I think the one where the quiz I, ho- the quiz I hosted first, my very first one, that was a shambles. Um, the other one I can think of is, was it not during the week that Scotland uh, had an international game? I can't mind somebody said something, but it was Sean basically did come up with something. See, I can't really remember. It's just, I'm just spouting guff because I think the one that takes the absolute lead for me has to be the one a few weeks ago. And I'm building this up because it was something spectacular and I liked it. So do you remember when it was um, the episode, I think it was Beamed Up Aliens, or I can't remember, where basically <laughs> you're just talking about absolute nonsense about... Uh, where am I trying to go with this? <laughs> where are you going? Wait, wait no, no. <laughs> Put this way, I cannot remember exactly what the episode about, but I know it was named Beamed Up as Aliens and it was outstanding. So go back, listen to it, and you won't regret it. That was my favourite energy sport moment. Can I put that down as one of my favourite energy moments? <laughs> well, no, just Taylor just sure. failing how to speak. <laughs> no, because I was trying to come up with a different one or saying it because I didn't want to just say the title. However, I um gotta put that down as my nomination, beat up by aliens, hashtag plugged. Yeah, Strun's just put one in the Zoom chat there that I completely forgot about. <laughs> Remember when the fantasy ramble was a thing? <laughs> Who was on yeah. that? I think, I think it was me, you, Taylor and Cam. Cam was there, yeah. <laughs> Cam was definitely there. I don't even know if we can mention that because we actually had to stop the podcast on multiple occasions because it was one of those days where you couldn't not be on Twitter because it was just outstanding. Uh, I'm trying to think for me, me laughing at Sean when Kelly get relegated was so, so good. Um, I like seeing everyone's reaction on the Zoom when me and Graham bamboozled everyone into thinking it was a football quiz and then it just ended up being a general sports quiz. That was, that was really fun. Uh, I quite like Taylor saying pre-recording for a podcast that he'd found this brilliant stat and he was going to use it. That's the one I was on about. That was on, yeah, yeah, that's the one I couldn't, I couldn't remember who was on. And then Aaron Fraser just jumps in and gets a stat before Taylor can even speak and he's sitting there fuming. I was <laughs> not. Just the only reason I think that's the best moment is because I found out exactly who the snakes in uh, our uni was. He took my stat. He literally just overtook me, basically just went like, here, Taylor, here's a tap and you know what? No, I'm taking it back. That's exactly what I was on about. I couldn't remember exactly. I couldn't remember who was posting it, and that's what was throwing me off. It was but. me. It, it was after. It was after the. Uh, was it after Moldova? No, it was after Israel. Sorry, it was after the Israel win. See, I knew it was during international week, but um, mm. yeah, I was just absolutely fuming. And um, Aaron, hashtag get out. <laughs> And Taylor's beef with an 18-year-old just continues to grow. I also really liked what we did in the summer. I liked, I thought we were great with the Euros content as well and uh, just that whole time. I think the Euros 25 was really good fun for the for the stuff that we produced on that, so really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the final of the Euro in particular. Yes, the final name. of the Euros. It was a 10 out of 10 performance from Bukayo Saka in England as Italy lifted the trophy, as we all remember so very oh. well. Uh, <laughs> came Rome. Uh, let's move on because we could probably just sit and talk about the, the year we've had as a group of mates for ages, but no one really wants to sit and listen to that. Uh, I mean, there's been plenty of action in England this weekend, and not one, not two, not three, but four different European draws that have happened today, two of which for the exact same competition that we'll get onto a little bit later. But as always, we're going to crack open a case of cinch and get rightly carried away. 
and there's only one place to start, and it is in the capital. The Hertz at home finally losing a game. Uh, we Geo's Rangers coming up to Tyne Castle, winning 2-0 goals from Morelos and Arrivo, uh, and what was a bit of a blistering start for the champions. Uh, Jamie was at the game, of course, for us. You can find his match report up on the website just now. Uh, Jamie, I mean, for all hearts defensive acumen so far this season, it was kind of startlingly easy for Rangers to cut through in the opening 15 minutes and of course, they'd get those two goals very early goals. Yeah, it was a funny old game, actually, to be honest. I think Hearts started the game really well, had a couple of pretty good chances, actually, to be honest, before Rangers took the lead. And it's always the case when you play the old firm, you've got to take your chances when they come to you. Um, and it was, you know, as I say, I thought it was a funny old game. Hearts just weren't really clinical enough. Um, had their chances to change formation, went with a 4 2 3 1, which I quite liked. Um, and at half time, I thought, probably, well, I can't speak for the fan base, but I thought at half time, I, I didn't think the game was done. You know, I still fancied Hearts to get back into the game. Um, and that's credit to, to the team that Robbie Nielsen's built. You know, normally when you're 2 0 down at half time to one of the old firm, you're away back to the pub, that's it done. But. Um, yeah, still kind of fancied Hearts going into the second half, and they just couldn't really get get a break to get a goal. Had plenty of chances, hit the bar twice. Uh, Connor goal. I mean, Rangers had two goalkeepers. You know, Goldson was pulling out a cracking save on the, uh, the the corner of the penalty box. I'm not really sure what Nick Walsh was was looking at. Probably wasn't uh, wasn't his best game. As for Rangers, I haven't seen Fashion Sakala too much this season. He was somebody I was really impressed with. Uh, I thought that whole Rangers front three has that kind of really good balance of kind of pace and, and uh, power and strength between the three of them. So, so deadly on the break. Uh, to be honest, I'm trying to remember a Rangers or team coming to think and being kind of so, I don't want to say negative because that's not fair, but um, compact, if you like, so well defensively, well drilled. Um, and, you know, Rangers just ripped Hearts apart on the break. I think, I'm not going to say that Hearts deserve to win the game. I think a draw personally was a fair result because I think it could have easily ended up 5 all, and you couldn't have really complained. But, uh yeah, it was a, a, a cracking game, though. Good advert for Scottish football. And Hearts uh, just need to dust themselves down and go again next week at Dundee. You think, I mean, proactively looking back, like the change to formation to go more attacking was right for Nielsen. I mean, I, I mean, you said at the time you were happy to see Hearts pushing forward against the old firm, considering how many times you've seen them just sit in and defend for their lives. But considering how easily it was uh, just kind of broken apart. Like, I mean, it, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I mean, do you think Nielsen was right to change things up for this game? Yes, I do, because I think Hart should still for the chances of the match. You know, I mean, they hit the bar a couple of times, McGregor played well. It wasn't like Hearts didn't create the chances. And, you know, I think it maybe shows you why so many managers do set up so defensively when uh, they play the old firm, because, you know, as I say, Rangers did just slice Hearts open on the break. But Hearts created enough chances to take something from the game, so I don't think it was purely down to the formation. I look at the goals as well. Cammy Devlin, you know, they were kind of one-on-one kind of battles that we lost so Sakala skips away from Cami Devlin which is not really like Cami Devlin actually to be honest could have gone down as well but to, to his credit stayed on his feet and cut the ball back from Morelos who nobody again was marking and the second ball was a good pass from Connor Goldson but for me John Suter had plenty of time to kind of see it sort his feet out and deal with it but the touch and finish from Aribo is just a different class and ultimately that was the difference It's true and I was going to mention that man there Joe Aribo I mean he's been an absolutely fantastic form for Rangers. Of course, the only Rangers player to start every league game for the Jairs so far this season. You can see how much Taylor loves him just in the bottom, bottom uh, left of your screen there. But, I mean, it's kind of easy to understand why he's been the only Rangers player that both managers have trusted from the start in every game. He's just been absolutely outstanding this year. Yeah, I think he's been excellent. You know, I think coming into this season, one of the question marks was always going to be his end product. But I think this year he's answered it fantastically, to be honest. And 
I know at the start of the season, players like McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Kent, Morelos weren't really up to it the same way they were last season. A few criticisms. It's been clear that even when Rangers were at their weakest this season, which in reality wasn't even that weak in the grand scheme of things, Arriba was still the standout player and was just somebody who could be relied upon. And I think what he's really good at as well is his versatility. You know, you can see him in the midfield, but he can also operate on the wings in the front three as well if need be. You know, he's always going to be one of these players who can get into the team, depending on who the system and the opposition are. He's always going to be somebody who's there and is always one of the best. And I think he's one of these players who definitely benefited a lot from from working under Steven Gerrard. Uh, Taylor, of course, we've not really been able to speak to you since uh, we Geo Van Bronckhorst got himself into the hot seat at Rangers and it's been a pretty impressive start to life at Ibrox for the Dutchman so far. Six games, five wins, two goals conceded. I mean, how impressed have you been so far under the new manager? If you told me at the start of the season that the problem with Rangers could have ultimately been Gerard. I wouldn't have believed you. I feel like that. Not the players clearly are just needing, but the players are, you know, lacking down their tools because they think they've won it. But hindsight, hindsight now can tell us that maybe Gerard was a problem. Maybe Gerard had his ceiling at Rangers. He'd done everything he possibly could, and a change of manager was what they needed. And wow, um, he has done everything he possibly could have, like. At the start of his reign, you cannot fault a single party's uh, job so far. You know, as you said, he's played six and he's unbeaten in six. Um, got a, a tremendous draw over in France. Negotiated some t- difficult ties in the league, especially Hearts away, which has been a very, very you know difficult ground for us to go in the past. I am said the fact is before we'd even got anywhere near this game. I say at the start of the season, that's an instant loss for us. I'll rule that out because. Hearts, you know, turn up pretty well against Rangers. It's not because they try hard, but it's just very difficult ground to go to. And the fact is we won with such ease yesterday and with such, um, you know, style in the goals, it shows you the tweaks that, you know, Giovanni Bronckhurst has made to the team. Maybe trying not to laugh in the top left there. I feel like they might want to chime in with something here. I'm not having that Rangers won with such ease, to be honest. But uh, on Stephen Gerrard, I think uh, you know, Taylor, I think Taylor's kind of right. You know, maybe maybe Stephen Gerrard was the problem. But then you look at maybe the one trophy that Stephen Gerrard won, and you think, well, there was no competition. You know, as you know, nobody's really uh, mentioned that before. I, I don't know. As Celtic fans have kind of said there was no, you know, there was Celtic weren't there. There was no real competition for Rangers. They were beaten in the cups and. I don't know. I mean, I've brought it up before. My concerns about Stephen Gerrard, but look at Aston Villa now. He's doing very well down there. So I don't know. Maybe Gerrard wasn't the problem, Taylor. I don't know. Nah, it, you can definitely see that um, the slight tweaks that Van Bronckhorst has made has literally brought out a Rangers side that I didn't expect to see, especially at the start of the season. I thought last year was a freak, and this year, you know, we're obviously lose some games. And it would just be back to, you know, as you were, losing games, but just still pulling away a bit. But Van Bronckhurst has made a, a Rangers side where they're compact, they're hard to, you know, get through, and yet look so lethal when they attack. They attack with purpose, and it feels like every shot Rangers have in goal is going to be a goal because, you know, the six games under Gerrard before they left, the six games before Gerrard left, we conceded first shot on target, essentially, and our first goal in, in every game. But now, since Gio has took over, we've scored the first goal in every game and essentially with nearly the first shot on target. Now, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think Van Bronckhurst has looked at that and 
realised that that was a problem. And if you can get this team to attack with purpose and be clinical, it's going to be hard to stop them, no matter who you're playing against. Yeah, certainly. Uh, the, you know, look, I, I said Rangers are much more compact under Van Bronckhorst, and it sets up a very interesting uh, kind of tactical battle, if you like, on the old firm. At the start of January, you've got that kind of Rangers... Um, kind of strong back line against Celtic's attack. Everybody's been, you know, raving about Celtic's attack, me included. And then you've got Rangers, as we saw yesterday, so lethal on the break against that Celtic defence, which is, I don't know, questionable, despite having uh, shipped less goals than Rangers in the league this season. Uh, I'd just like to add one more thing before we move on, Jack. Um, you know, we've hyped up, you know, with this Ange ball, how well Celtic have played, and they have undoubtedly been very lethal and very good at attacking. And, you know, for a while, they looked like they could be unstoppable. They've hit their speed bumps, but as expected with a team throughout the season. However, Celtic were this fast-firing team who were basically hard to defend against and looked like they could score six or seven a game. But now, you know, a, a Rangers team that were poor, a Rangers team that looked lackluster, they're now the top goal scorers in the league. You know, for a team that doesn't have Ange ball, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, you're right, actually. I'm just going to jump in there as well. I, I said on, I think it was actually the last podcast I was on, it was after that Rangers-Motherwell game where Rangers hit them for six or something. I had said that Rangers, I can't remember the stat now, but Rangers were within one or two goals. I can't remember. or They maybe scored the same amount of goals or something as this free-flowing Celtic team, as you highlight. I don't know. Is, is that maybe coming down to the fact that things were so stagnant and so toxic amongst Celtic last season under Lennon that just fans in the media are just trying to maybe go that a little bit more and try and say, oh, it's so much better, it's so much more free-flowing because it's such an improvement. I don't know if they're maybe trying to kind of oversell it, the fact that it is a clear and obvious improvement on Lennon's Celtic under Ange, but they might be kind of trying to do too much with it when realistically things are fairly balanced across Glasgow at the moment from what we can see anyway. No, you've got a point there, Jack. You can see it just exactly way the, fin- the finishing table in the Europa League. You know, Celtic fans are well thrilled that they finished in nine points and yet didn't qualify, and they're just showing that they're so much better than the Rangers who finished at eight points, but yet qualified for the Knockouts Europe League. So they might have a point, the fact is they're high-flying and all of that, but, um, you know, Conference League football, not top goal scorers in the league. I don't know. You know it's still, still time, you know, they could turn it around. There's only four points a gap right now, so, and they're, obviously they're in a final cup, but they could still win. Got to give them that. And you've given me a really good segue there, Taylor, actually, because they are in the final of the Cup and their opponents are the team that we're going to be discussing next. You can see Struan is absolutely buzzing with the fact we get to talk about Hibernian just now. Uh, It was a late Joe Shaughnessy goal, I feel like a traditional Joe Shaughnessy goal against Hibs uh, that earned the buddies a point at home against Hibs at the weekend under the management of David Gray after Jack Ross was sacked following Hibs' 1-0 defeat away at the Tony Macaroni or the Spaghetti Had, whichever flavour you do prefer. We're not really going to discuss the game itself a lot because we've not actually had the chance to speak about Jack Ross's departure on this show. We've not really had the show on during this time. So we can need to... Sorry, Stroon saying Sir David Gray. That's me. You call him that if you want. But uh, Jamie's nodding. Of course, Telfer's nodding up in the top left there. Goodness sake. (laughs) I know. But Stroon, talk to me about Jack Ross because, I mean, from my perspective, I thought he was always a decent enough manager. I thought he was doing all right with Hibs, and I don't know, maybe he should have been given a little bit more time, but I don't know. You're, you'll know a lot more than me as a, a Hibs fan yourself, despite how much you're claiming Celtic these days. Well, that <laughs> we shake the hand there, Jimmy. Yeah. I, I really like Jack Cross, to be honest. I, I still remember Jack and I, were we were on the podcast when it got announced back in second year. I 
after after Hecky was at the wheel. And to be honest, at the time, I, I didn't think Hibs would be able to get somebody of Jack Ross's calibre, obviously what I did with St Mirren and compete with Sunderland. But it's just, I admit things didn't go well this season. You know, the way Hibs started to how it finished under Jack Ross was night and day, to be honest. His big game career at Hibs was pretty dreadful, to be honest. You know, a lot of people would say Batley's bottled semi-finals, bottled finals in the past. As good as St Johnston were, you would back Hibs to beat them at least once, I suppose, last season. I don't think he ever beat Celtic in charge. And obviously the victory over Rangers in the Cup was the first time that he has beaten a big team. And a lot of people said, I said it on the Football Roundup a couple of weeks ago as well, or three, however many weeks ago it was, that that was sort of his big game hoodoo possibly over. You know, he's finally won a big game. But following that, away to Dingwall, a, a defeat to Ross County, following that more terrible results. And I think... One of the things as well was it just looked like the players' heads had gone. I mean, you look in the last game under Jack Ross' tenure, Paul Hanlon, your captain, gets sent off, and Paul McGinn, your vice-captain, also gets sent off. And you think, you know, if there's two players on the pitch, you'd back to be at least composed and to not do that as them too. And you think about as well in the game against Ross County, how halfway through the game, Christian Dodge gets sent off, Martin Boyle at the full-time whistle. The disciplinary issue was absolutely terrible for Hibs and... Things have just gotten a bit sour, really. I, I like Jack Ross. I think in press conferences and stuff, he's always been really good. He's got time to chat. I think he's just a really nice guy, to be honest. And I think he did well. I'm a little bit annoyed at the fact that the manager's been sacked and there doesn't appear to be an obvious candidate on the announcement. It was um, Sir David Gray was going to be in charge for the foreseeable future. And normally you can understand a caretaker, but at the same time, for somebody like David Gray, as inexperienced as he is, you know, I don't really understand what the hope with that is. You know, surely you'd be better off keeping Jack Ross. I know things aren't great, but at the same time, David Gray's only been a coach for a few months, to be honest, since his playing career ended last year. So it's a difficult one. And to be perfectly honest as well, when you look at the candidates that are currently available for the job, I mean, currently as we're recording this, Derek McInnes and Neil Lennon are the two leading candidates. And I'm just sitting scratching my head thinking I would much rather have Jack Ross still in control at this point in time. And obviously, as you mentioned there, there's a cup final coming up on Sunday and it's, it's unclear because even David Gray doesn't know if he's going to be in charge. So it's, um, it's a difficult time for him. But at least a lot of players have signed new contracts recently. That's, that's a good thing. Can I just ask you a question on that? I was just thinking about uh, this whole process on how, you know, Hibs have went about their managerial uh, recruitment, but also their sacking. So you've mentioned that the cup final's coming up, and firstly, sacking a manager by a thought 10 days before a final that he's got them there to is pretty a bold statement. And you have to have a lot of faith in your ability of your next manager and your findings for the next manager coming up to that to, you know, succeed. But also, how do you feel that Hibs have essentially sacked a manager, although you're sitting like roughly seventh, sixth or seventh just now, it's not been a good start this season. However, he's finished third last year. He's managed to get Europe, obviously getting to cup finals. Yeah, you can say there's disappointments that you lost against St. Johnson when you were strong favourites, but you're in another final this year. So was Jack Ross not essentially doing his remit and Hibs, you know, board are kind of looking a wee bit too ambitiously at where the club are just now? Yeah, I, th- I think that's spot on. I, th- I think Jack Ross has credit in the bank. I mean, the first fir- first third place finish since 2005 last year, final of the Scottish Cup, fair enough, it didn't go well, but made it to the final, made it to the semi-final. Once again, he's made it to the final of the Premier Sports Cup. You know, although he was bottling the big games in the Cups, he was consistently getting Hibs to that stage in the competition. And as you say, I was sure he was going to get at least to the Cup final when whenever Jack Ross out or Ross out was trending. And I never actually thought it would come because... In the back of my mind, I always envisaged he would at least get the cup final because he got Hibs to that, that, that spot in the first place. And if you're looking at Celtic at the moment, I don't even think they have a forward who's over the age of 16 left to even field at the moment. So you're thinking, 
it's possibly a good time to play them, stick with the manager. And I, I don't know, we, I think we'd maybe agree that Ron is quite ruthless in what he's been doing so far. You know, he's very much in control. He wants the club to be run the way he wants it. And you have to respect him for that, obviously, is a big move. Someone like Leanne Dempster leaving, that was a massive step. And I think that was one of the first indications of the way Ron wants his club to be worked. We've seen Ben Kensel coming in from Norwich, which of course led to Alex Neal getting linked with the job. And I actually saw Daniel Farker being linked with the Hibs job as well at one point, which is definitely, I mean, obviously I would take him, but that's just never, ever going to happen. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know what the script is right now. Of course, Chris Muller is possibly worth bringing into this as well. Obviously he's just signing from Orlando City now. He's what a terrible time for him to arrive. Honestly, he must be, he must be looking for the first flight home providing the COVID restrictions don't change and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see what happens at this point in time. But uh, as long as Robbie Fowler doesn't get the job, I guess I'll, I'll just get on with it. Well, let's talk about some of those replacements then, because you've mentioned a few already. I mean, the likes of... They're so bad. <laughs> Neil Francis, the boomerang Lennon. I feel like anytime something happens at Hibs, there's always a chance that he's going to end up back at the club somehow. Uh, that Del- Simpsons meme where uh, Mo's throwing Barney out the bar, and as soon as he's throwing him out, he's appeared again behind him. It's just Neil Lennon with Hibs, isn't it? You get him out of the door within two <laughs> seconds, he's back there. I mean, that's what it feels like to be honest I mean you get Derek McInnes in the four uh, Robbie Fowler today which why is that happening uh, I, 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 I mean it's been discussed sorry Alex Neal as you said uh, our lecturer Simon Pia he's keen for sorry, Mr Ronnie Dyler to return to Scotland he's just won uh, his first major trophy over in New York just over the last few days as well so that's an option at least that might attract uh, more kind of positive times at Hibs rather than some of the others or get folk on board again. Uh, who, who are you kind of identifying just now that's available, Struan, that you would want or you would kind of expect in the door at Hibs if there's anyone at the moment anyway? It's a tough situation. I think the, the dream pick would be Alex Neil. I think in terms of both availability and his quality. I think he's stated though he doesn't have any desire to come back up to Scotland at the moment. He's been down south for so many years now. I don't know if he wants to. And as well, I think he's kind of at that level now where if he was to come to Scotland again, Celtic and Rangers are probably the only two teams he would he would think about. I don't know if that's his mindset, but I'm not sure if he would come back up to Scotland. I mean, in terms of managers who are currently in the league, James McPaig and Callum Davidson have both been linked. And I just don't, you know, if people were complaining about Jack Ross football, I can't imagine what Callum Davidson football is going to be like as well. It's, it's a tough one, to be honest. And I don't mean to sound really picky in that. I mean, obviously, Hibs are, Hibs are still a really big club, but when you look at the names that are currently floating about, not many of them fill you with confidence. I mean, James McPake, for example, coming back, why? If he wasn't an ex-Hibs player, I don't think there would be any kind of rumours or links to that at all. Ronnie Dyla is really exciting. I think that would be a really cool one. But again, is he possibly now above Hibs? Has he gone and won the MLS Cup and thinking that he can go above and beyond that? Is he now thinking you know his level is above Hibs as well? So it's, it's a really difficult situation. As I said, I think... When Hibs got Jack Ross, that was an unbelievable achievement. And now I don't know who would be A, available. I mean, the squad is really good. I think that should be stated for At the moment, Hibs squad is in a good position. When you think about when Jack Ross took over and Mark Milligan and Josh Vila were your midfield partnership compared to what it is now, I think it is a big difference. The team's looking good, a good balance of young players and also experienced ones in there. So it's not exactly unattractive in that sense. It's, it's just a tough one. It'll be interesting to see what you three think of it from the outside. Jamie, especially being a Hearts fan, who he thinks would may suit Hibs or perhaps who would be who would he be worried about coming to Hibs, Jamie? Do you have anyone that you don't want to get the job or somebody that you do want to get the job? 
I think, uh, well, to be honest, I could give you plenty of duds that I'd love to see David Short. <laughs> Half of them have been linked with it as well, as you've said. Um, right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not exactly wrapping this up here, but the whole thing for me reeks of like a panic, panic sacking, right? Jack Ross was offered a new, a new contract in the summer. We've spoken then about the players uh, signing new deals. The, f- the thing that gets me about this is the players have come out now afterwards and said, well, you know, it's not his fault. It's our fault. You know, we're the ones that should be, you know, taking the blame for this. Ultimately, the manager carries the can. Everybody knows this. But the players, it, guys like Joe Newell had come out and said that they hadn't stopped playing for Jack Ross. They'd been in a dressing room where the players had wanted the manager out. This didn't seem to be the case here. So now, whoever Hibbs go and bring in, obviously David Gray, sorry, Sir David Gray is still there just now. Whoever they go and bring in, I'm not sure what the reaction is going to be from the players. You know, Jack Ross has signed pretty much all of these players, majority of them, obviously, apart from guys like Stevenson, Hanlon, or whatever. But I'm not really sure this is um, this is a good move from Hibs, especially considering the timing, the availability of these guys just now. The timing of it all, it seemed like Alex Neal was going to be there to come in, take it straight over. And, uh, you know, he's come out and said he, he kind of sees his future down south. So now they're kind of sitting there and you're, you were expecting, I was expecting Alex Neal to take this job. That was why they'd sacked him, was because they had the next guy lined up, ready to come in before the cup final. But now that doesn't appear to be the case. So for me, it reeks of uh, a kind of panic sacking, really. As for people to get the job, there's not too many people that I would be concerned about. I, am, I, I was campaigning for Ronnie Dyla. I think that's a market that Ron Gordon obviously come over from uh, from there, hasn't he? So he, he mm-hmm. kind of knows that, that league pretty well. So maybe, I don't think there's a connection necessarily, but he obviously knows that the Scottish game, as does Ronnie Dyla. So maybe there's something to work with there. Uh, as for people who I would love to see get the job, I think Craig Levine's available. Um, but I think Chipper's still available. We're speaking about Hibs guys. Chipper's available as well. He would be uh, a good one as well for me. So the list is endless, I reckon, of duds that could take over the Easter Road. Hey, I, I'd just like to just quickly, you know, just chuck in my wee part on that. I, I feel I agree with you, Jamie. Hibs made a mistake and... Um, Especially, I heard afterwards that the players were really, really gutted about the fact that Ross was sacked because Ross went in after the games and he even said to the players, sorry, I might not be here on Thursday when we come in. And obviously the players were gutted and he apparently he was well liked by the players and they respected him. So the fact that the Hibs have made this without, you know, really consulting the players, I don't expect them to consult the players, but at least ask them how they feel, then it's a bad move. As in managers being linked with a job, I'm going to chuck one for left field. And obviously, he's an ex-Hibs player. But I'd like to see Hibs give it to Kevin Thompson. I feel like he's done enough. We kept hearts to prove that he's a good manager. Um, we've just seen exactly at the weekend, uh, he won 6-1 against Albion Rovers. And uh, he's been romping that league. Although there is a big financial difference between them and everybody else, you still need to perform it on the park. And he's doing it with you know players. He's got them set up pretty well. And... I feel like he could be an interesting appointment. He could be one that could motivate the players by saying, like, this is what you can achieve. Uh, basically, like, I know exactly what it takes to win. And um, just from his playing days as well. So I feel that'd be interesting. And he's a young-ish manager, so he can still, you know, relate to the players. Because I feel relatab- re- re- relatability is key when it comes to, you know, trying to get the best out of folk. Can you bring Nathan Austin with him, please? <laughs> Somebody needs to score the goals. I now I'll just jump in and say that I'm basically echo exactly what Jamie and Taylor have said. I feel like Jamie's absolutely bang on when he says it's a bit of a panic sacking, but I don't really know what stemmed that panic to be honest. Because Taylor's already made the point that I mean Ross doesn't have the best record in big games, but at least he's still getting there. 
I mean, it's not too long ago that Hibs were just kind of languishing. They didn't really know what direction they were going in. And now Ross come in, he's done a job of at least getting them to semi-finals and finals. And the fact he's not even able to see out this final this Sunday coming is just a bit of a odd move from Ron Gordon and Hibs in my perspective anyway. Because, I mean, if you're going to get rid of him, at least let him have the final. And then if he wins it, if reevaluate, if he loses it, there's the excuse that he's been in a bad run, loses a final, and then sack him at that point. But sack him 10, 15, 10, 12 days beforehand, whatever it was, just an odd, odd decision for me. Uh, who's free? David Hopkin. Uh, chuck him and just see what happens. Give it, give it Hopkin at the end of the season and see the worst football you've ever seen in your life, no matter what level. It just would be hammer throwers and nothing else. Uh, Aye, that just it's it's difficult to think. I think someone like Dyla would be someone that would match the ambition that Gordon has potentially. Because I think he he's kind of seen a big, big picture for Hibs going forward. So I think trying to get someone like Ronnie Dyla in would make sense. But whether it's feasible at this point in time, I'm really, really not sure whether that could or would happen at this point, considering I mean he managed I mean, retrospectively, he managed a level above in Scotland already, managed in Celtic. Now he's gone over to America. And the MLS is just continually improving. Like, there's a, there's a pretty decent standard over in America just now. So that's not really going to be anything to laugh at, the fact that he won the MLS the Cup. The City group as well, eh? Like, that's a good... Ah, it's, it's, it's a comfortable place to be in it, the City group. If you're going to kind of want to be in any kind of footballing family, I suppose you could say that you would probably want to be in the City group. Just, you're well looked after there anyway. But aye, it's odd moves from Hibs and it'll be... Uh, to be honest, I really wouldn't be surprised if it's still David Gray in for Sunday. I think, I think it might be until the end of the season just about David Gray, to be honest. I think this foreseeable future is just going to grow. I mean, if he wins the cup, he's going to... If he wins the cup as manager, no fair what, enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, fair it, enough. I, th- I think they all, all Solskjaer is free. Fuck it, why not? But I think <laughs> the way this is going, it's, it's not looking great at all. And I, th- I think that's also the worry that, you know, every team... If you sack a manager at any level of football, whoever you bring in has to be better. That's, that's always got to be the case if you make the decision mm-hmm. to sack a manager who, in Hibbs' case, wasn't even the worst. You know, Hibbs weren't in the relegation zone yet or anything like that. So whoever comes in has to do better than Jack Ross. And in my mind, that has to do better is winning a cup and potentially breaking up the old firm at the top of the table when you think about what Jack Ross did last season. So it's, it is a big job. And hopefully Ron gets it right. What a story, by the way. The player that wins the Cup in 2016 after 140 odd years as a manager. That is some story, by the way. And may as well get it typed up already and get it sent out. (laughs) And unite somebody twice. I think the thing thing about um, this Hibs team, anyway, was from what I gathered from other Hibs fans, was that the kind of form just now was kind of reminding them of the team that was uh, relegated under Terry Butcher. You know, Strunes is not in the relegation zone yet. I think that was the concern from the kind of supporters that I was reading on, on Twitter was like they had the concerns. There was uh, similarities, if you like, between the two teams. And I think David Gray is going to be in charge for a wee, a wee while yet because on Friday when I was up at Orium, a few of the other journalists were saying that um, the Hibs hadn't really started a, a recruitment kind of process. So uh, yeah, could be in charge for some time. I love it, Taylor's just like, and, and, uh, instigating there, Jamie's just dropping mics because he gets to go to press conferences at Orium. <laughs> that's, to- that's shocking for you, big man, honestly. That is terrible. Uh, we should probably move on a little bit because we've spent the best part of 45 minutes talking about Hearts and Hibs. Uh, there were some other results in Scotland, I'll just bl- blitz through these quickly. Uh, Aberdeen started to go on a little bit of a run. That's uh, nine points from their last nine available. 
uh, kind of coming at the best time possible for Stephen Glass. He's just the pressure just continually mounted against him. We don't really need to highlight how much pressure he's been under at Aberdeen, but three wins in his last three and kind of coming at the good time when Hibs and Dundee United are kind of slipping away. So take, taking his chances at least, and it's been the same with Livingston. That's two big 1-0 victories in a row over the aforementioned Hibs and Dundee United. So kind of good for David Martindale and the, the Lions to kind of get themselves a little bit further away from the bottom of the... You put your hands up there, you're asking a question, Jimmy. <laughs> All aboard, I'll, I'll beat you to it here, all aboard the Ross County uh, bus as well. I've been uh, praising them for some time. Now that's in, done the double over Dundee. They're off bottom spot. I think they've only lost one of the last six, and that was at Ibrox. So Malky McKay doing bits up in Dingwall. St. Johnson you know, now, bottom of the league. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, Ross County, I looked at this earlier, they're the fifth top scorers in the league. They've, 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 they've had so many like, 3-2s and stuff like that they've blown so many like remember against Hearts they did not take the lead twice to go 2-1 up and then uh, was it the Kingsley free kick in that game or something like that like, it was they, they, that. Keep, yeah. they keep scoring a lot but they just the floodgates open at the back uh, let, me, let me look at some of these games 3-2 against the 5-0 was the, the game away at Dens of course scored 2 against Levinson 2 against St Mirren the 2 all against Hearts uh, 2 4-2s against Rangers so they've scored 4 goals against Rangers uh, yeah, to be fair, they can score. I think it's like uh, Hungbo and Charles Cook and stuff. They've been really doing well for Ross County so far. Uh, what else happened this weekend? Uh, Tommy Rogic kind of proving that he's still a really important cog in the, the Ange machine. I mean, it was his goal against the United. Was it last weekend or the weekend before that he scored a really nice goal? Kind of solo run, curled it in the bottom corner. Last Sunday, yeah, last Sunday. Mm. Uh, really nice. I think a lot of Celtic fans are more than delighted at that four million move to Qatar. Just petered out at the last minute and then looking at the championship that's Wraith Rovers 15 games unbeaten which is a bit mental considering there was a bit of questions over them at the start of the season uh, winning like one how Kelly done. they're in fourth mate to be fair uh, they've dropped in a little bit uh, a point I think whoever in, whoever's in the fifth sorry is just like a point behind them at this point so they've kind of slipped up recently which only means that the, the scudding that Air United will receive off them on the 2nd of January which I've got tickets to will be even more disappointing uh, yeah, we're on the telly this week, James. We were on the, on the telly and, and we should have won 5-1, five, five, but Tommy Adeloy only found the back of the net once and he really could have found it five times considering a, it's just encouraging-ish that he's getting in these positions and he's getting the chances, but yeah, really should have, really should have won it, to be honest. And <laughs> the biggest result of the weekend, Inverness, Cali slapping Morton for six, that was quite funny. And are both getting a win over Partick in a 2-0, that was, that was fun. Uh, I wanted to stop. I wanted to end the Scottish coverage today with a bit of a a bit of a contentious decision, a bit of a, content, a contentious uh, list that's been revealed this morning by the good folks over at the Daily Record, of course, of the top fifty uh, players in the Scottish Premiership in twenty twenty one. Now, let me just sum this up. They mean for the calendar year, so from January to December, the best players in the country. There's no mention of the likes of J- Jason Kerr. There's no mention of the likes of Ali McCann. But there is Kyogo Furuhashi, Jota, Benny Beningame. I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't include players that have left if they're including players that have joined midway through the year. Yeah, I think I can clear that up for you. So, um, Go on then. I feel, I feel like there's some, there's some responses here. So when they've said, um, you know, the top 50 players of 2021, what they've really meant is the top 50 players of 2021 but only in the last four and a half months clearly you can see where this is you know 
Yeah, aye, it's, it's this season. It's this season so yeah. far, realistically. Which is, I'm not going to lie, there's some good folks at the Daily Record. I guarantee you know they mean well. However, that is a honking list. And please, <laughs> the, the best time to delete this was when it was immediately posted. The second best time is now. So please, Daily Record, rectify this by deleting it. We'll forget it happened. We'll file it under things we do not love to see. And we'll move on. <laughs> like, are we having that Lewis Ferguson's been a better player than Cammy Devlin this season? Yeah. If, if it's going off this season. Yeah. Jason Kerr is only there. Only one of them's in the I know, I'm, ju- I'm just looking at that now. Jason Kerr is, Jason Kerr is there. J.W. Hayes, James Forrest. Ian Hawks better than Fuchs. No, Come never. On. Never. If you've yeah, watched Dundee United, you know Jandal Fuchs deserves to be better. David Turnbull, 27th. He'd be in the top 10. Yeah, he's top 10 by the way. Christian Ramirez is better than Liam Boyce. Seen a few calls saying he's one of Hart's best strikers in recent years as well. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. let's go. To, with- be, to be fair, though, I think in just to just to go against Hart's and back up Christian Ramirez, he has been probably the only Aberdeen player who's been good all season. But again, that that's the argument mm. this season, not twenty twenty one. So yeah, he only joined the summer. Yeah. Xander Clark is the second best goalkeeper in the country for the year ahead of uh, Craig Gordon was the best. Yeah. No. Yeah, Craig, Craig Gordon's number four, mate, on the list. Ah, ah cool. So let's let's go with what they're saying, right? It's the full year. How explain me how, right? They did well, St. Johnson, by the way, winning the, the two cups, outstanding. Mm-hmm. But how can Connor Golson, who's sitting in twenty fourth, yet be ten places below Liam Gordon, who Goldson was part of a record breaking defence? Goldson's pissed me. <laughs> because Goldson was once three one down at half time and that was game. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. So where, where does he rank in the goalkeepers that? then? Where does he rank in the goalkeepers though, Goldson? You know, if Gordon's the first one, where does Goldson good. come in? Very to good. be fair, Gold, Goldson's save yesterday was better than any of the goalkeepers ones I would have said. That's so. the same yeah. time that, you mentioned it. It's the same mate, time just, he's gone mate, for it's, it. It's just not a penalty though. It's just not a penalty. I'm, got, I'm, nah. I'm telling you right now. I mean, now, it, it, only, hits his, only hits his hand. Eh? Why yeah, his hand's just by his side in an actual position. Looking at the top 10, Glenn Kamara 10th, Tav 9th, Kent 8th, Boyle 7th, Jota sixth, Stephen Davis yeah, fifth. That D- has Davis played this that much this season, Taylor? This season he's not played as much, so the cooler just went off of um, mostly you know started a year. He's had so that, this is this is where it doesn't make any sense for me because if if you're basing it off the whole year, like fair enough. But if you are basing it off this season, which gathering that somebody like Ali McCann's not in there, why is Stephen Davis there? Because he's not played as much. It's Confusing. Uh, Craig Gordon fourth, uh, Kyogo Furuhashi third. It's a goal for Joe Aribo in second, and then Big Calmac, marathon man himself in first place. I thought I was wrong. He's played 22 times this year across all competitions. Aye, but are, they, are they including Europe? I don't know if that's. No, they there. probably haven't, so only 11 times in the league. Yeah, I mean. Oh, I think number one's correct, to be fair. I probably would say Cal McGregor has been. I, I wouldn't have Kamara. Like ten places behind, or is that nine places behind McGregor? That yeah, like I'd, I'd have them I'd both have behind there. Davis. And I or wouldn't have John one behind him. John Search should be twentieth. Going with just how he's played since he's came back, I think he should be. Wait, how many games has he played? I, I think he should be top fifty because <laughs> he's been ever since he's actually played. I think he's been you know incredible. He showed, and that's been from when he's played. And he, I think he has been better than Mulgrew. 
but she already does a head on group, so it doesn't matter. You do know for a fact if there was a Bonnie Rig representative on this podcast, they'd be like, our top players in Scotland or whoever or plays up front for them scores all the penalties, they should be in there. Like, and then we'd all have to give them the beep beep but thankfully we're not inclined by them today, even though they're clearly in present, considering I'm talking about a lot of them. Obsessed. <laughs> Stressed, depressed, and Bonnie Rig rose obsessed, that is. Oh, I'm going to a penalty. There's one. Yeah. He's been the best player in Scotland. Patrick Schick for the two goals at Hamden in the summer. He's been the best player in Scotland. Uh, uh, let's... That list is just shocking. Sorry for that. It's just a right. shocking list. Yeah, that brings enough. an end to this week's episode of the Scottish Football Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, England. Oh, yeah, England, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Strain. Ralph Rangnick's come in and United are looking okay. I mean, I mean, I say okay because they're not much better than okay. I mean, Norwich gave them a pretty good game the other night and it took a big penalty for big Ronnie to actually get the points over the line but improvement after Solskjaer I suppose yeah definitely just before I go to United though, I just want to say Norwich every time I've seen I don't like Dean Smith but every time I've seen them under Dean Smith they just look so much better like against Man United Gilmore was fantastic the amount of time you know he's always asking for the ball he's receiving it and you can see as well even against opposition like Man United he's willing to take control of that midfield and he just looks so good and you you watch the team and you just think, why on earth was Fark not starting him? You know, I've not, fair enough, I've not seen Norwich that often, but he just dictates the play for that team. Um, so, yeah, Gilmore prays out of the way. Yeah, United have looked good. New shape. I think a lot of players have looked better than they have done under Solskjaer. The fullbacks, who are the second choice fullbacks, to be perfectly honest, have looked fantastic. I think Wambasaka's place in Manchester United's first team is, is definitely gone at the moment. I don't think he should be considered first choice. McTominay, from a Scottish point of view, is looking good with Fred in the midfield. Yeah, it's it's going well. I think it's going to be one of these things that takes a while, though. I don't think we're probably going to see the Rangnick influence until around February, March time, a few months in. Of course, he's only had about a week of training altogether, and there hasn't been a COVID outbreak, and there's a lot of rumours flying around as to how that's going to impact Manchester United. At the time of speaking, their game against Brentford tomorrow is, or the day after tomorrow, is to go ahead, but I think it'll be called off, to be honest. So that's that's definitely an interesting one. But yeah, Ralph Ragnick has looked uh, pretty good so far. He's brought in a few of his own coaching staff now. Unfortunately, he was considered for the Hibs job. However, the Manchester United one was slightly more appealing to him. So he, he opted to take that one. And yeah, it's it's looking okay from a Manchester United point at the moment. There's still some clear issues with the team. But De Gea is fucking amazing again. And that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I find it so funny when Drops they're just swears, man, honestly. Stuart <laughs> drops a fucking every now and then, and it's just like the best thing ever. I mean, yeah, no, to be fair, De Gea's been great. He's looks like a kind of man reborn in the, in the last kind of few months, anyway. Uh, is top four still the, the final aim? I mean, you're a point off fourth behind West Ham just now, so, I mean, is that kind of still fight, final goal for the end of the season, considering? Yeah, I, I can't see Man United winning any of the Cups they're in this season. I think getting top four would be their goal but obviously I think you look at Arsenal they don't have any European football so they've got full focus on the league that'd be a massive push for them West Ham look pretty good as well so I, I think even top four could be quite an ask but yeah I think definitely that's the best United can hope to achieve this season we'll talk about the Champions League draw at the end of the show but I think that would be the goal and I think that's all the Glazers really want at the end of the day isn't it Honey? Aye. Realistically, yeah, it's just money. Jamie's getting assaulted by a plush tiger. At the t- <laughs> just, I love it, it's muted as well. It's just a, a, a silent mauling <laughs> up at the top of the screen. Uh, I, if you'll indulge me, lads, I'll, I'll just have a quick chat about Chelsea and just get, give a little bit of a perspective on what's happening there in West London. Uh, it's been a bit shit the last couple of weeks. It's not, it's not been brilliant. Uh, 
forward options are lacking at the moment. Uh, both Lukaku and Werner have had troubles with injuries and they've not really been able to contribute much in terms of regular playtime. Uh, they've kind of come back into the four now. Lukaku coming off the bench more often and Werner kind of starting in the Champions League game against Zena and the game at the weekend against Leeds. So it's been better, but goals have kind of been lacking. And it's been the case for a while. Chelsea have never really been under Tuchel a side that will just uh, completely blow a team away by scoring four or five on a regular occurrence. So when that happens, you really want your defence to be holding firm. And for the most part, under Tuchel, it has been up until the last month or so where we've conceded, what, three against West Ham, three against Zenit, two against Leeds at the weekend. It's kind of getting breached more often than not. And that's no small part thanks to the inclusion of Marcus Alonso on the left because Chilwell's been injured and uh, things have just not really gotten better since then. I mean, we all know Chilwell's a far superior player to Marcus Alonso. Marcus Alonso's defensive acumen is very lacking in comparison and even his attacking contributions have been less. Of course, he got the assist from Mount at the weekend against Leeds, so he does contribute every now and then, but there's a lot more to expect from Ben Chilwell. Uh, I think a lot of it's kind of stemmed from some contract issues. Uh, the kind of negativity and the kind of uncertainty surrounding the defence at the moment because both Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen are at a contract at the end of this season, so both could go on a free in January. And in my eyes, Chelsea should be tying down at least one, if not both of them. And I think I would prioritise Rudiger over the pair. I think Rudiger has been one of the best defenders in the country since Tuchel came in. He's been so consistent, so up for it at all given opportunities. He won two penalties uh, against Leeds at the weekend and that's essentially what got Chelsea over the line. And he's been absolutely fantastic. He's a really popular character in the dressing room, I'm led to believe. So I think things need to improve at the back and I think that can be done by getting some of these players tied up to the new deals. And I mean, I just looking back over the... Oh, sorry, Stuart, on you go. I was going to say, I think Aspilicora and Thiago Silva are also out of contract at the end of the season. I think Thiago Silva is going to sign a new deal as well, but that's four of basically the central defenders all out of contract at the moment. I think it's definitely going to be a bit of a behind-the-scenes thing that needs to be sorted. 100%. And I mean, I'm just looking at some of these recent results. I mean, there have been some good results since kind of the start of November. I mean, 3-0 away to Leicester was brilliant. That really, really good Kante goal. They kind of run and just bury it in the top right. And of course, the 4-0 home thrash in the Juventus. But then, other than that, a really kind of tricky 2-1 win away at Watford that potentially wasn't deserved. I think Tuchel came out and said, we stole the three points. After the after the end of the game, the one all draw with Burnley in which Nick Pope just turned superhuman, and then the same thing against Man United at home. It really should have been a victory uh, against what was then did, Michael Carrick's did, United. Did Carrick unstick Chelsea? Has he given everybody the foil to to break down that defence? I hope not. David David Moyes did it at the London Stadium, didn't he? That three two, which Taylor was more than delighted for, despite being a Lincoln Red Imps fan. So. No, Lincoln City, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> two Lincolns. Lincoln, two Lincolns. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, I thought, I thought we'd won it away in away in Zenit, and then sacked it off in the in the last minute and stopped it, and then thankfully got a win at home to Leeds the weekend. But I think if Chelsea are to make a serious case for uh, the title, which you're led to believe they are, they need to kind of improve. I mean, I was looking at some of the stats on Fault Mob for the league and. Kind of Chelsea are coming third in all of them behind City and Liverpool. So you kind of suggest that the top three is kind of locked out at this point, which we all kind of presumed anyway. But whereas myself and a number of others thought that it would be Chelsea at top, they are kind of th- third best at the moment and things are going to need to improve quickly if Chelsea are to get their hands on the Premier League trophy for the first time since 2015, I think I'm right in saying. 
17, 17 I Conte I'm thinking the Mourinho season forget Conte he's a Spurs guy now anyway Conte ah, who cares about Conte anyway big bald fraud uh, what else has been happening in England Mo Salah still incredible just probably the best player in the world just now anyone got any qualms with that doesn't seem to be Jamie's Arim Benzema Robert Benzema I just don't want it to be Salah here just trying to Why get not? his advocate a little bit here. I don't know. It's a Liverpool player. Nah, Salah is fantastic, to be honest. He's unbelievable. Taylor, what were you going to say? You, you're unmuted there. Yeah. I was just kind of nodding in agreement, but also nodding in agreement. <laughs> to nod. Yeah. No, no. I'm just telling everyone I'm nodding in agreement. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the sound of me nodding. He just he butted his mic. Nodding. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, I think City are still kind of quietly going about their business. I think I've been really impressed with uh, their Portuguese contingent this season. Uh, João Cancelo and Bernardo Silva have been excellent. I think one Silva leaves and another Silva steps up for City. Bernardo's been brilliant this year. I think he's a top scorer as well, which is a bit mental considering. But uh, he's been great. Uh, all I'm saying as well, is there a better breakthrough player in the Premier League this season than Conor Gallagher? He's been absolutely outstanding. I mean, uh, you just need to think about his second goal yesterday against uh, Everton, the Carlisle in the top right, just in stoppage time. Just to, he's get, to, let's get his mic off again to give the weird answer that the, the AOK salute as well. That was beautiful. Like, that it was stunning. And I, I, saw, I saw something tossed up on Twitter as well. Chelsea's potential future midfield could be a three of Mason Mount, Conor Gallagher, and Declan Rice. Are you going to say Billy Gilmore over Declan Rice? I'd have Gilmore. No, I would have Gilmore, but unfortunately, I don't think Gilmore's going to make it at Chelsea. He'll, 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 yeah, he's Premier League standard, but he'll go to somebody like, I don't know, Everton or something like that. Yeah, I could see that. I think Rice to Chelsea is one of these transfers as well. It just feels so inevitable. It's impending, yeah. Do you know uh, what I mean? It's, it's one of them that's just more likely to happen than not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned Everton there. They're shit. Oh, <laughs> I, think, I think if, I think if, it's, if it wasn't for Damari Gray, uh, Benitez would be gone. You mentioned Conor Gallagher there being the breakthrough player of the year. I think Damari Gray might have to go down as the signing of the season purely on the fact that 1.7 so million as well, yeah. and how many times he has either kept them in a game or won them a game. I'd, it'd be interesting to see if you take out his goals from that team where they would be at this point in time. Because, you I mean, you look at the Arsenal result. I know Richarlison had two offside goals as well, but it was Gray again who got the three points in that day. Yeah, but also if your granny had Wales shoot, <laughs> you know... Uh... So I don't agree with that. Um, but he is though isn't going to be a manager for much longer. But in Everton, he he may as well just you know pack his bags, go to Newcastle for when and uh, inevitably um, how he gets set. So yeah, hopefully Newcastle. Well, you know, I mean Newcastle are absolutely pony, but I don't really know if they'll be those. Those managers should soon. swap. How should go to Everton? Benita should go to Newcastle. How's an Everton fan as well? So. Do you know that guy who did that cinnamon challenge video? I can't remember what his name is. He was the guy who slagged off Scotland players in the Premier League recently as well. Some guy that does something I should probably know. But he was saying the other day, just sack off Rafa Benitez and bring in Wayne Rooney. And it made me, made me chuckle <laughs> a lot. And to be fair, I think, well, what did Rooney not say recently, like, if he, keep, if he keeps Derby up this season, it's the best thing he's ever done in football. Like, it's the greatest football achievement. If he keeps Derby up this season, well, I think that would be better than anything that... Pep Guardiola has done in his career because yeah, like, God <laughs> that, that's, that's a reach bro <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go to Alex Ferguson I thought nah, I'm going to go 17 <laughs> points off safety 17 that's with a extensive with a old Phil Jagielka <laughs> <laughs> oh Phil Jagielka what a man 
Ravel Morrison in the team as well. Be honest, see if they actually do pull that off. Take the invincible trophy for Arsenal's trophy cabinet and give them it to Derby. Just for doing it. Well, well no, that doesn't work like that, because you know, they wouldn't they're not exactly invincible, are they? Well, it's the only gold trophy I can hinky that's in football, so make them a new gold trophy, just be like, Congratulations, you survived relegation. Here's a gold trophy. I don't, because that's actually so tin pot and they'll start doing Oh, that. mate, we'll take so... one. It'll take one of them. <laughs> can we take one of them for last season to survive on the final day? It'd be beautiful. So that clip of the guys on FIFA and career mode where the trophy glitches out and it's them it's celebrating just empty. nothing. It's just it's that, like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is me that is anytime Air United do something slightly positive. They're just celebrating the little things while I still can before we go down to League One next season. Just to wrap up on, uh, you know, Benitez, I don't personally don't really see him turning it around at Everton, but uh, surely if all else fails, there must be a, a new Toy Story film coming out soon. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I love how you waited so long to just chip in with that right at the end. Yeah, that, that, I think that ends us for England as well, but they get European draws as well, because this is just going to be a fucking long podcast for whatever reason. Uh, Festive special. Festive special. Well, we might have a festive special just towards the new year that I might be preparing. So, (laughs) the silent reaction. We love that. Uh, Let's start with the Champions League because there were two draws for the Champions League done today because one was completed and then it was revealed that the technology had made a mess of it. So, it meant that Atletico were excluded from facing Man United or something like that and one of them complained and it was all just a big... Uh, a big mess. So, well, in had... other words, you quit without saving. Ah, you feel ah, you like get a bad draw and fit my manager. You get a bad draw and fit my manager and went like, "Came what? Nah, I've, I've saved before it. I'll go back and do it again." It didn't make didn't make any difference whatsoever for Chelsea because they still got the best job possible out of their, of their potential opponents at the point. Drawing Lille at home, which I think I was very very happy with. I was fe- Taylor was laughing because I was angry that it was getting redone, but then. Your laughter fueled the fact that we got Lille again, so have that. Uh, yeah, Lille but, lucky. I'm using that for the fifth time today. So. You are, you, you've overused that. It wasn't a good part to begin with. That was great part to begin with. No, it was because Struan was the one that said it first. Then you just piggybacked on it, you absolute fraud. No way to te- Did you say it first, Struan? Didn't hear what you said there. What was the joke? What, I, I was the the Lille. Lille joke. Nah, 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 I thought no, Sean you... who said it in the chat. Sean said it first. I oh, I shit. No, it's no, no good part of it. To, no, it I would be something did. I would do, though, to be fair. It would be something I would do. I I'm actually sh- predicted in another group chat that Chelsea would get Leo before it right, was what, what, so, one, of talk, one of you one of you's talking about the draw for a second. Well, I'll go back and find this. Well, I, to be straight, Man United. Come on, talk about their draw. Do you know what? See Pride coming into it. I've, I, I put in our chat as well, actually. I think it was an hour before it happened. I can see Man United PSG happening for the Messi versus Ronaldo United, one last yeah. time thing. And it did happen. And I, at the time, I was a bit annoyed because PSG would have been the toughest opponents Man United could have. But yeah. at the same time, there's a lot of storylines that would go on there. There's a whole Poch, Pochettino Man United links as well. And I was a bit annoyed. But then UEFA messed it up. And it was Atletico Madrid, actually, who were the most annoyed because they got Bayern Munich initially, but they could have had Manchester United because UEFA... wasn't their fault. wasn't UEFA's fault. We should make that clear. Nothing, nothing to do with UEFA. Technical issue. Anyway, there was, a, there was a problem with it. And then it, it got redrawn. I think, to be honest, the only team who were properly shafted by the redraw was Real Madrid because they went from having Benfica to PSG, which is pretty pretty unfortunate to be honest I think every other team I mean Chelsea definitely were the ones coming away laughing at the end of it getting the same team twice in a row but yeah it was it's it's just ridiculous how a draw like that could be messed up so badly because when Man United got drawn initially against Villarreal again it's just... see I, 
see if I was Real Madrid, by the way, you know, I'd just, you know, put my foot down, complain, and just try to start up a completely new, you know, Champions League kind of tight tournament, you know. This would have <laughs> never happened in the Super League, yeah, I tell you that. Honestly, Super League's in the mud all because of this, and, you know, Real Madrid had a point, you know, clearly. Yeah, that's mental that this, that happened this year, by the way. <laughs> Oh, that, yeah. that feels so long ago, man. Honestly, I, I remember tweeting out at the time saying, "Like, oh man, I can't sleep." And so some random follower just came back and said, "Oh no, what's the matter?" And I was like, "Oh, who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 an exclusive. Stuart Garvey does not have time for his Twitter followers. He is far too big-headed for anyone that follows him on Twitter. Just know that for a fact. Well, it's all about that bad ratio that I don't know. Stuart Garvey is a minor Merkiston campus celebrity, so he will not have time for a random Twitter follower. I'd like to ask Taylor and Jamie, more Jamie without a horse in any of the like European draws, unless you are still a Chelsea fan. I don't know if that's the case, but what um what tie like interests you the most? You need to tell me them first. Okay. Uh, Gordon Rangers. <laughs> you ask you ask Jamie about European football by the way. Uh, you know what? I'll uh, I'll give you the, the the Rangers one excites me. Yeah. I was not even mentioned that Rangers that, drew Dortmund, mate. That's big. <laughs> I've there was one eight. I said to you, Jack, before we were waiting on those two. I, uh, uh, Juventus, Villarreal, that you said could go either way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, Inter-Liverpool could be quite good as well. It's, I know it's not the same Inter that won the title, but... I think... What, I, I always kind of get this feeling when you look at the ties, and with the Champions League ones, I feel there's quite a lot of them that are like one-sided. I know, obviously, the magic of football, anything can go, but you look at, like... City sport, and you, you expect City to win that. Chelsea, Leo, you expect Chelsea. Bayern Munich, Salzburg, is it? You know, you expect Bayern Munich to win, win that one as well. So there's a few of them, I think, that are a bit, you, you kind of know what's going to happen. Ajax, Benfica will be quite an interesting one mm. as well because there's no ma- mega team in that fixture. They're both slightly underdogs in the grand scheme of things. So, I mean, and Ten Hag is just cool. I like that. There's, no, I mean, there's, there's no major team in sport in City either. So, I mean, you can. Yeah. Sporting Lisbon have a good history. Yeah, I suppose they, they, they produced, produced, they produced like, a big Portuguese goal. fraud, yeah. Uh, uh, no hey, mega hey, team. don't you say that about Nanny. <laughs> <laughs> no mega team, but there is a Sebastian Haller at one of those two teams. Oh, you know there he is. Right. I, uh, Jamie, if I was you, I would plug the Haller hype so much more. Top goal scorer in the Champions League and everything. Uh, you don't speak highly enough. You don't speak enough about Haller. Like, that was like, big. Other like, than Ronaldo, Haller is the, ra- the only ever player to score in all six Champions League group games. It was the Ramble days that you were back ago. in Haller when he was playing mm, for West Ham, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was a long time ago now. David, David Moyes hasn't got too many things wrong during his time at West Ham, but I think letting Sebastian Haller go has got to be up there. <laughs> I don't know what it is about you and just big brutish forwards, but it's him. Your M trick. Your M trick. You've got you've got your mould of a player that you just stick by no matter what, and I respect it so much. Uh, aye, so what? Stuart, talk, look, what were the other Europa League draws? Because uh, Napoli, uh, Barca, Barca, Napoli is quite interesting because you could see Barca go out straight away there, which would definitely be interesting. Uh, Leicester, I believe, got Raiders FC. I'm not that, too sure on that. In Europa League. I, that's conferences. Come on. Oh, Come of on. course, Leicester got eliminated yeah. by a 97th minute penalty against <laughs> Spartak Moscow. Well, Spartak Moscow saved the penalty. The other one. Uh, who, who did West Ham get? Actually, I forget. West Ham are still through. Uh, that's the next round. They get whoever wins in the uh, knockout rounds. Ah, oh, it's different. So just the eyes. It's different. It's not like round of 32 anymore, is it? However, just just on the topic of Leicester, it was good to see uh, Brendan Rodgers is still as gracious as ever. He, he came out and said after the. 
Oh. Europa League defeat that he uh, he had no idea about the Conference League. Like, sorry, what? You know, what I've, I've, that is poor. I've, that. I've that is poor. That because if Leicester win it, I fully expect him to go on about how great an achievement it is for the club winning mm, a yes, European trophy, um, even though <laughs> four months ago he was saying he didn't. That's just poor, isn't it? Like, oh, my club's above that level. I don't even look at the competition. Like, pfft. the pricks prick. <laughs> Lovely. Um, oh, well, my... before we round this off, um, I'm just going to say, um, Haaland being in Glasgow, it's good to know the fact is he's got to come out second best. Behind who? Morelos. I would love them to scrap on the pitch. I could just see Morelos. I could. Morelos just pushes him over. Morelos get put in the dirt, mate. Like he'd be absolutely cleaned out by Haaland, mate. The robot versus the buffle, by the way. There you go. There's your title for that. <laughs> That's the worst title in history. <laughs> no, that's a title fight match for that. I'm just looking at some of these other fixtures. Leipzig Sociedad could be all right. Zenit Betis. The mighty Sheriff knocked out of their competition that we were also sure they would win, uh, taking on Braga. Uh, Atalanta Olympiacos. A bit of them. Who, who did Sevilla get? Dinamo Zagreb. It's all right. Uh, oh, they're winning it, by the way. It's just a formality they're winning this. It's just whoever's playing out in the face. Let's um, check. Conference did League. Did Porto or Milan come third in that Liverpool group? Eh, Porto. Porto. Milan or Milan, 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 Porto. Milan are just... Uh, how, did, how did the Lion not, not save them? That's, that's ridiculous. How, how are Marseille in Conference League? How's that happened? Are Roma still in? Are, are oh, my God. Fenerbahce versus Slavia Prague. The biggest anti-cinch game of football of all time. Everyone's just going to be on Twitter giving abuse to every single player and every fan involved in that game. Leicester got Randers, as you said, Struan. Uh, Celtic get glimped, Bodo glimped, I think, if I'm saying that name right, which isn't an easy game. I mean, the two-all draw and 6-1 win against Jose Mourinho's Roma. And I think somebody made the point They've got they play on an artificial pitch for a crowd of five thousand, so they, it is just like living away for Celtic when they go over there. Thank you to whoever put that on Twitter that I just stolen that part from. That's absolutely fantastic. And then Spurs have still got to get past uh, many Chelsea and Vitesse to get that rapid Vienna, I think. Some there's some all right ties, and it'll be interesting to see how they all pan out when they do. Come I think that Spurs one as well is still subject to what happens with their game against Ron. Oh, right enough. I yeah. don't think that's. I think they're just going to have to decide because I, I, I don't think they know how to fit in that game now with the the scheduling. Yeah, so. just go and go difference. Just go on. Who's just put Spurs out? Just, just go on. Like whose manager's not had a hair transplant and then Spurs have to go. Watch this. Watch manager's got have had a transplant at least at some. Point. <laughs> He's just He just got a fake moustache on. Ah, shit. Okay, we've got to double check who the manager is. Thomas Lettich. I've not got a bit chat. Oh, <laughs> does, does, doesn't matter. He's a man with a. Doesn't matter. He's like, bald. A full yeah, head yeah, of he's, hair. A, he, he's a man who has. He, he, he likes to. Have no hair. So, he's bald! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you trying to dance in that? <laughs> because I had another phrase I was going to say. He's a man who like. I'm not going to say it because that's like. No. He's follically challenged, is what he is. <laughs> No, because I've got to say, he's a man at least to polish his head, but then, <laughs> come on, yeah. You can't really say that because in right. Scotland. In you know Scotland, what? <laughs> With Taylor making an arse of himself, that is going to do it for the last episode of the Football Roundup of 2021. Oh. It's been an absolute pleasure 
posting this, a bunch of misfits throughout the year. Jamie's checked his watch because it's time for him to go and throw some darts at his dug or something like that. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> Big Ben. Better not do that to Big Ben. It's a serious um, accusation, Jack. I mean, one of the, it's going to be one of the two. You're either throwing darts or you're taking the dug out, so you might as well just Big get Ben will knock you out. Big Ben would knock you out, to be fair. But aye, would you let, if, if I can do my outro, you a bunch of idiots. How long has this been? <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't show me on Zoom. So I'll, I'll only get it when it like uh, converts into the audio and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, Fair play so, if you're still listening. I know, but an absolute. I if you're still listening, if you made it the whole way through, can well done. Get a life I did like this up there, but like there's no way. I'm pretty sure probably stopped after I started going on about Hibs and brought fucking James McPake into the conversation. To be honest, but see, see most people switched off when we started doing our fucking inside jokes for the big question. <laughs> Let's see if you have got this far. By the way, if you have got this far, tweet energy saying hashtag Jack out. Right, <laughs> we want Jack out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Brilliant. Cheers, Taylor. That's magic, mate. Really appreciate that. Uh, we do appreciate everyone that's tuned in this year. It's been a magic year for energy sport, and it's only going to continue from here on out once we all fuck off into the real world and we leave it all in the capable hands of Sean McGill and whoever he chooses to bring on board. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to everything this year. Thanks for consuming everything this year. Uh, we're not done yet. We've got extra time to come this week as well, and potentially a little bit of an end of year quiz which could be on the cards if I get my acting gear and choose to procrastinate on my dissertation, which, realistically, I probably will. So a massive thank you, of course, does go to Jamie McIntosh, Struan Garvey, and Taylor Murray with his birthday balloon in his lap. Uh, my name's been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup by Energy Sport. Thank you very much for listening. Have a very Merry Christmas, and we'll see you all in the new year. <laughs>